Hey, what's going on, guys? This is your boy, Nathan Cranfield, host and founder of the Seeking Excellence podcast and Seeking Excellence Ministries. Today, I have the, the great pleasure of having my friend, Kevin McGohan, on. And Kevin runs a uh, the financial arena on Instagram, which is an awesome account. Kevin is a, a Catholic man with a heavy interest in personal finances. So he shares a lot of basic things on finances, which are a scary topic for a lot of people. And so what we try to do in this episode is just really kind of cover some, some of the basics just to get people more comfortable in talking about it and having that conversation. Because I think it's an area that a lot of Catholics try to avoid and uh, wrong, wrongly do so, right? Like it's a mistake because if you don't worry about money, you're going to end up worrying about money later on, right? So you, you either do it now or you do it later. But at some point, right, money really does fund everything that we do in the church, everything that we do with our families. And so um, not everything, but most of what we do, it requires money, right. To, to buy things and to do stuff. So, um, works to charity, all that stuff. So this is really good. Uh, I love this episode with my, my friend, Kevin. The other thing that I think you have to, or that I wanted to tell you about is that we did have some technical issues and difficulties throughout this podcast. So there are some more, uh, blips and hiccups than usual. And so I apologize for that. Hopefully you can bear with it and still uh, get a lot out of the podcast. Cause I know he shared some really, really great stuff. So Hope you enjoy. God bless. You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom to go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ to be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You are not made to make excuses. It's time for you to take extreme ownership for your life for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. Awesome. What's up, Kev, man? How are you doing, Kevin? It's good to see you, man. I'm doing well. How are you? Good, brother. Good. It's good to have you on the podcast, bro. Welcome to the welcome to the show, man. I appreciate it. Happy to be here. Yeah, you know, I was uh I first I first came across your stuff because I was friends with your sister in Cincinnati, who I had initially met. Um, and she does a lot of great things. And I actually just recorded a podcast last night on mental health. And this will probably come out the same week as that one, uh, either next week or the week after. But uh just she shares so much good stuff on that, you know, and such an important topic and just really kind of falls right into the seeking excellence philosophy mindset and everything that we have. And this one is one that I've only really dabbled in, you know, like really, I don't even know I can say I put my toes in the water on the financial aspect of things yet, but I'm excited to do so today. And so I was really excited when she shared some of your stuff because you don't really see that many people talking about that, right? Especially within the church. Um, I think it's a, it's a really neglected aspect of our lives. And one that I think is so important because of the fact that, you know, in the mental health one we just did, I talked about how I've always heard different people say, you know, we're mind, body, and spirit, or mental, emotional, physical, spiritual. But one thing I think that all of those kind of like self-help or even church things like kind of miss in that is we're called to be stewards of so much more than that, right? And everybody has certain aspects of their lives that are universal that we all have to be good stewards of, right? We all have to take ownership over, we all have to be intentional with, and money is one of those things. <laughs> it greatly impacts people's lives if we don't take care of it. So I think it's an incredibly important topic. So I'm super excited to have you on and just to hear some of the stuff you have to share on this topic. But first, I'd love to have you just tell us a little bit about who Kevin McGowan is. Yeah, sure thing. So I guess uh, to, to get started, I'm from Ohio originally, went to Ohio University, uh, studied business. Um, but I guess my, my money story kind of went back before then. Um, I think a lot of people, when they learn about money, it's either they learn from their parents probably, or they don't learn about it at all. I was lucky enough that my parents kind of taught me a little bit about money. 
Um, and I read a book called Rich, they actually made me read a book called Rich Dad Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And basically that book just kind of talks about making your money work for you. Um, read that book, kind of became, and this was in high school, but kind of became really like enamored by like, you know, making my money work for me and like kind of just maximizing like my money um, and, and just kind of like had a greater interest, but didn't know really where to take that quite yet. Got into college, um, realized that I wasn't spending my money all that well. I knew how I knew that investing was important, but I didn't necessarily realize that there was the day-to-day -day aspect of money also, um, you know, like living below your means, spending, you know, obviously less than you make. And um, I was really just, it was my first time on my own and I was spending a whole lot more than, obviously, I, you know, I, I was, wasn't working a lot at the time I was at school, but was spending a lot of money going out with friends and stuff like that, wondering where it all went. Right. Um, it kind of really started to, to nail down, you know, what, you know, my personal finance life needed to look like. I knew that investing was important, but in order to be able to invest, I realized that I needed to be able to save money too. And I wasn't really doing that at the time. So kind of just got more, more into that, realized that there, you know, at that point, I had kind of gotten to, you know, meet a lot of people from a lot of different, you know, backgrounds in school um, and realized that they didn't, you know, people didn't really get exposed to money, even to the sense that I did. And so kind of just found a niche that somewhere I could help people along the way with, with their finances. And kind of that's kind of how I came a money coach. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of how I got started and kind of where I'm at right now. I love it, man. And one, it's so funny too, I think, and you told me this before when we were preparing for this, but uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad was kind of like my kicking off point too. You know, it was like the first book that I read and, and unfortunately I wasn't in high school or whatever. You, you know, you said you were younger when you read it. I was, I wasn't too old. I mean, praise the Lord. I was still like 23 or something like that. I think it was about five years ago. And I just remember like, bro, after I finished that book, I was just like, I need to learn everything. Right? Like it was like <laughs> investopedia.com. I was on Buffett books. I ordered like 10, the top 10 financial books, you know, personal finance books, uh, along with rich dad, poor dad. And it was just like, I was just like immersed, right? Like I was just watching YouTube videos all the time. I was just like, wow. One thing that I, t I would always tell people about rich dad, poor dad, cause I've recommended it a lot is I always feel like it's kind of like learning the rules of the game, right? Like any of these basic books, you learn some of the basic skills, it's kind of like learning the rules of the game. And I always say that it's kind of like people are living life like Monopoly, right? Where they're rolling the dice, getting up, going to work every day and just trying to go past, go and collect their $200. But then like, if you, if you play Monopoly, if you never played Monopoly before, you have no idea, you don't read the rules. You start seeing people that are collecting all this money. And you're like, what's happening? It's like, oh wait, you can buy the properties. You can do some of these other things. You can make these trades, right? Like there's so many things you can do to get ahead. And most people are just, rolling the dice, just trying to go past go and collect $200, right? And so that was kind of like the first time I felt like I had read something that was an insight to the rule book, right? Like Rich Dad, Poor Dad by no means is like a complete guide to it, I don't think, but it was, I mean, it's definitely a good start. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I think, you know, being a, like at the time being a kid, I never realized that just saving your money wouldn't get you to retirement. Right. Um, you know, it takes it takes a lot more than that. Um, you know, you save, let's say you save 50, you know, like or five thousand dollars a year for, for 20 years. That's only going to get you to, you know, one hundred thousand dollars. It's nowhere near enough to live off of for 30 Hell years. Oh, no. So, <laughs> I, you know, and when, straight broke, broke, like extra broke. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, you would you'd have to live off a crazy amount of money, like low amount of money. Um, but like, I, yeah, I just kind of realized like, and that was the first time, you know, when you're a kid, you don't really have a sense of like what it takes to live off of as an adult or like, yeah, you salary, know, like, salary, like what you need yeah. For, yeah, what you need for retirement, anything like that. So reading that book kind of just made me realize like, you have to do this. Like, it's not something that like, although it obviously does get you ahead, like you have to, if you ever like want to stop working or anything like that. Right. So it's, it's just kind of crazy that, you know, like that kind of opened my eyes so much. And the more you do when you're young, the less you have to work and the quicker you get to it. Right. Absolutely. Bro, I think it's one of those things that's so important. And this is we didn't put this in the outline. And I told you that sometimes I derail and I'm about to derail us big time already to start off. <laughs> but man, dude, this is so important because and this is what I, this is where I get like super hype and worked up. But it's just so key because I think that so many times 
in the spiritual world, you know, especially in the Catholic world, I think that we have this desire, especially among Catholic young people, you might have encountered this before, where it's like, everybody wants to be St. Francis, without actually being St. Francis, right? And like, what I mean by that is everybody wants to be that kind of like detached, like, oh, money just doesn't matter to me. Like money's not important to me. And it's like, well, you know, every Catholic ministry, every Catholic parish, every Catholic effort, right? <laughs> like Every corporal work of mercy requires some type of money to be able to back it, right? To allow it to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't feed yeah. anybody. You can't give anybody drink. You can't give anybody clothes. You can't give anybody shelter if there's not money to pay for those things. And so- mm -hmm let alone like keeping the lights on in the church, starting a ministry, whatever, like all this stuff takes, takes money. And nobody wants to give money to places that don't take good care of their money. Right. And like know what they're doing with it. And so I think that it's such an important thing and why it's one of the seven pillars of excellence is that everybody needs to be good with it. Because one of the things that I always say is that you have to be uh, you know, I always say that we, we first have to seek and as St. Paul talks about this in four uh, Philippians 4, 11 through 13, before he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he talks about how he found the ability to be content in all situations. And I always say we have to be content before we can be grateful, grateful before we can be generous, right? And so that's kind of the path I think we have to take. And God wants all of us to be generous, right? Like we can get into tithing later, but tithing, generosity, like that is all important. And no matter how much you make or how little you make, if you're giving, if you're generous now, if you're grateful now for what you have, that's how God's going to be able to entrust you with more. And it's going to reflect what you would do if you had more, right? Because the, one of the biggest fallacies and, and one of the best things I think about Rich Dad Poor Dad is he exposes a lot of those fallacies. One of the biggest fallacies is people thinking that just like we think there's like an altar switch, right? Where you become a different person on the day of your wedding. If you could just be a trash bag for, for, for 30 years, you know, and then suddenly become like an awesome human being when you get married. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. We also don't become amazing human beings if we get rich or when you start getting raises and making more money. Um, but the last thing I want to say with that, before I pass it back to you and have you break down some of the stuff for us is, uh, have you ever seen The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith? Yes. Yeah. I love that movie. I just, I just had Emily watch it the other day. And one of my favorite parts of it is just, it's like the little kid, the, the son tells a joke to his dad and he tells him about the, the classic story that we've all heard before, I think, where there's a flood and the guy's sitting up on his roof, right? And the first boat comes by to save him. And he's like, no, God will save me. And then they leave. The next boat comes about around and he says, no, God will save me. And then it says, the kid, the kid tells the story so funny. And he's like, and then the guy gets up to heaven and he's like, God, what happened? I thought you would save me. He says, I sent you two big boats, you dummy. <laughs> and the kid just cracks up. And I, Emily thought I was ridiculous. I was howling. I don't know why I thought it was so funny the way he tells it. But that's like, that's everybody with their money, right? Like when you talked about that, saving $5,000 for 20 years, even 40 years and having 200K, it's like you're, we're, a lot of people are going to get to the end as we leave, our generation is leaving the like careers and stuff like that are not giving pensions the way that they used to, right? Like you have to opt in for, there's not like an automatic, you work here for 20 years and you're set for life, 40 years, you're set for life. That doesn't exist as much anymore. Social security might not exist when we're, you and I are 65. And so there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be like, Lord, mm -hmm. like what happened? Like, why, you know, I'm screwed. I'm in, I'm in ruin and financially in, in 40 years from now. And he's going to be like, I sent you two, two big boats, you dummy. You know, like you lived in America, bro. Like you didn't, it didn't, it didn't have to be like this, you know? And people are going to be like, what, what should I have done? And that's, that's why this stuff's so important to talk about now. But do you have any thoughts, any thoughts on any of that? Sorry. I just kind of brain dumped all over the beginning. No, no, it's all good. Actually, first, like before I even get into my, it's funny that you even brought up a story from Pursuit of Happiness because me and my, my friends and I were talking about this. I'm not kidding. I think it was yesterday about that exact joke that he said there. Yeah. Um, we were just talking about it. So it's so weird that you just brought that up because it's that not something funny. I normally talk about, but like it came up in a conversation literally yesterday. So that's just weird. That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like at the, at the, I think people like have a bad connotation with money um, and they just think like, you, like you say, like people like, oh, I don't need money. Money's not important to me. Um, and people just assume, you know, you always hear people say like money is the root of all evil. Mm -hmm. um, but what's actually interesting is the Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil, which I think is really important to kind of tell that difference. Yeah. Um, because having money is not a bad thing. You can do a lot of great things with money. Um, you can obviously do bad things too with money, but it, you know, it's kind of one of those things where 
um, you know, it's up to you on how you, how you want to use that. For me, I know, and for, for a lot of Catholics, I think be able, being able to make a positive impact on a lot of people's lives is kind of, you know, what I strive for. And I understand that, you know, if I of that other people, that's kind of what, you know, what my goal is. And I think what being able to do that. Yeah. It's huge. And that's one of the things that I think I've, I've often noticed in talking about money with people is most people who, who claim to not care about it or who don't want it or whatever are, are mainly thinking of themselves, right? Mm. Like it's usually a selfish, like I, I'm fine with living on less. And it's like, yeah, but do you know how many poor people there are in the world? And what I always tell people is like the money exists, right? Like it's not like you have to like mm-hmm. ask the governor to print more in order for you to be financially successful, right? Like it hardly exists and it's going to go into the hands of either good people or bad people. And so if I think that I'm well-formed and I'm striving for holiness and I know that I'll be generous with it because I'm generous with what I have now, why would I not do what I can to have more? Like once I've encountered, especially I was especially convicted with that once I encountered real poverty in uh, third world countries. Well, I was just like, man, like I, I saw the kids in the Dominican Republic in the villages we'd visit. And it's like, these kids don't have the same opportunities I do. These kids I saw in Afghanistan, they don't have the same opportunities I do. You know, like it's up to me if I'm going to help their kids go to college or do anything better or like improve their country or their living situations or whatever it might be. Like I have to, I have to go back home and do something with, with my life. Right. Like I can't just be like, Oh, I'm fine living on what I have. Like, and I'll, I'll just do whatever. Like, it's just about me. Like, no, man, you know, like it's really important to think about that. And as, as men and, and people, I mean, men and women, but people who might have families one day or want to have families and uh, you have to provide for your family and stuff too. Like, it's incredibly important to be thinking about this stuff at a young age, I think. I, yeah, I totally agree. I think, you know, again, like I, I trust myself a lot more than like going to buy, you know, putting my money in a, in, in some company, buying some luxury thing that I don't need. And I know that, I know you do that, that money's not going to, to any sort of, you know, helping charity or anything like that. It's going to go to, you know, some sort of like other way that they can make more money and have more people buy stuff that they don't need. So that's kind of, you know, a way I think of it also. Absolutely. No, that's awesome, man. So let's, let's get into it, man. I want to get the the financial coach into some financial coaching, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know if you have any opening thoughts you want to share. I'd love to hear you just kind of talk about just kind of like the beginning process of like, so somebody comes, to you or they're talking to, you know, they're approaching somebody or just, you know, you're talking with someone and it's kind of like, where do we, where do we start? You know, like generally I think you have to kind of start with, I always use the uh, land navigation in the army kind of example of like, if I want to go somewhere, right. If I get grid coordinates of where I need to go, the first thing I need to do is plot where I am on the map. Mm -hmm. Right. And kind of see where I'm at. So like, how how do you kind of go about that? The beginning of setting financial goals and just kind of assessing where, where you're currently at, or if you were, if you were coaching somebody, where, how do you, how do you recommend people get there? Yeah. So, um, usually like if I want someone to like assess, like, you know, their financial goals, I try to get them to think like long-term and as big as possible. Like I'll ask them like, what is your ultimate, like if you could do anything, because I, I'm, I'm someone, I, I really do believe that like anything you set your mind to or believe is possible, like you can a hundred percent do like, no matter what that is, like, I think like, 50% of, of what it takes for you to get somewhere is the mindset that you can actually achieve it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, if, if you don't ever think that like a certain goal is possible, then it's going to be really tough to ever get there. So let's say like something crazy, like let's say you, in your head, you tell yourself, my goal is ultimately to give away a million dollars in one day to people who need it. First, so first of all, you already know you're one, at least going to need to get to a million dollars in your lifetime. Like that is like, and everyone's goals are going to be different, but like, I, I try to get them to, you know, see as far beyond like what they would normally expect, because I think we're, we're taught to kind of temper our expectations and live, you know, just in a normal, a normal life like everyone else. But I think, you know, I, I think you should push for something crazy that you, you normally think that you could achieve or, you know, that's, and that's the kind of the way I've tried to live my life too. Um, just one, and maybe they'll change their mind down the road when they start to get, you know, a better idea of kind of where their finances are at, but sure. at least to get them understanding that. So yeah, you can literally achieve anything you want. I think that, you know, a lot of people were, you know, we're told that we can't do things or limit our expectations, but I think until you're, Absolutely. you know, you might, your mindset's telling, you know, your mindset changes to anything, anything is impossible or anything is possible. Um, You're never going to kind of get there. 
Um, so usually, yeah, we'll start out with, you know, just the mindset aspect of it, realizing that, um, you know, you can achieve anything that you want to. Um, and then we'll kind of go back to see where you're at currently. And the one thing I usually try to do, because someone I'm going to work with usually is, you know, maybe not saving enough, um, not putting enough towards debt, maybe just, you know, spending a lot of money and spending way above their means. Um, so usually what we'll do is just, I'll have them go home, track every expense they made for the last month. And at least to this point, it's been eye-opening for everyone. It, it was even eye-opening for me for the first time when I did it. Uh, unless you really are tracking where your money's going, you have no idea, one, how much you're spending, and two, where it's going. Like, you'll start to realize, I, I've worked with people who have had, oh, for sure. you know, hundreds, even thousands of dollars just going out, like going out to eat every month. Yeah. And they're like, I mean, like 25, 30, 40% of their income just going oh, to bro, that. If you go out on the weekends, if you're talking about bars and stuff like that, summertime, you're fresh out of college, like, oh, that adds up something serious. Exactly. So they, you know, like if you don't know where it's going, it's really hard to keep track and really hard to plan out, you know, where that money's going. And when you're buying, you know, uh, let's say five to eight to nine dollar drink in your head, like that's that's not too bad. You know, you're like yeah, five, eight bucks like that won't add up. And then you bought a ridiculous amount of them or like right. even um, something that, you know, a lot of people do that, like, I, and I'm someone, I don't want you to like limit, you know, if something's really important to you don't limit what's, you know, what's important to you, but find where you can, you know, cut back to, to live, you know, below your means. Um, and the, you know, people like going out to eat once or every day of the week for, you know, an entire month, you're spending $10 out, like $10 once isn't a big deal, but $10, 20 some days a year, that's 200 bucks right there plus whatever else you're already spending on top of that. So right. I think, you know, just small expenses add up really fast. You know, if you're buying a TV or something like that, you're going to think about it. Like, you know, spending four, three, four, 500 bucks on a TV, like you'll think about that before you do it. But it's usually the small expenses that you don't necessarily, you know, plan on or, yeah. um, you know, or that you don't necessarily account for that, that add up. And those are usually the ones that make a difference. They get you over time, bro. That's 100% true. I've, I, yo, it's crazy, man, how much people spend on stuff like that. And they, you really just don't realize it. Or if you, you know, just asking somebody, if you don't, if you never budget and you ask somebody like, how much do you spend on gas a month? And people have no idea. Like you really have, you just have no idea. How much do you spend on groceries a month? No clue, right? Like, you know what your rent is. Just like you said, you know, you use some of the bigger things. Like, you know how much your rent is, you know how much whatever, but it's like, how much are you paying for all your other utilities? It's like people really don't know, and it's like how it's really it's really a problem if we don't know where our money's going, right? And so a lot of people are going month to month, going backwards, and it's like okay, what you just described, you know, when I first sat down and did, I had to do I did ninety days, went back ninety days and tracked each month of everything that I spent for ninety days, and it's a haul, right? It's annoying. It's not fun to do. One, it's embarrassing. Two, it takes time, right, to go through and look back through everything, but it's it's just I mean it's so eye opening to see like where are the holes in the ship, right? If my ship is sinking, if I'm going backwards month over month, if I have a, if I have a salary job and I'm still going backwards month over month, something's wrong, obviously, right? Like no matter, even if we're making a little bit, like we should still try to budget to be as, you know, as like as financially sound as we can. But if we're generally making decent money and we're still really not advancing and growing, then, then obviously there's a huge issue. But even if we are solely, fun, uh, you know, advancing and growing, you still, like you said, don't want to get to, 20 years from now and be like, damn, I just missed 20 years of investing or really like exponential growth because mm -hmm. I felt like I was doing well. Right. And that's what I think a lot of people do is they kind of have this like fake rich mentality where they, you know, we have all these different things and we're able to buy nice stuff, but it's like, like you said, you know, what do you want to be able to do down the road? People don't think about that, bro. Like there's no vision. There's no like casting out 20, mm -hmm. 30, 40, 50 years from now. What do I want my life to look like? Where do I want to be? And that happens in everything, right? Like everyone, you can say that's true for every single one of the Seeking Excellence pillars that so many people don't have goals in those other pillars. The most commonly, I think like goal-oriented one would probably be physical fitness. Mm -hmm. um, some people might have spiritual goals. Some people have professional goals. And then next to that, it's kind of like, people are just like, yeah, I'm just kind of like going, mm -hmm. going with the flow. And the flow is going backwards. <laughs> look at America, yeah. look at America's financial situations. The, the current's not heading in the right direction. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is that stuff is always coming up that you're going to have to buy or like, 
pay for that you don't necessarily plan on. Like there's always an inconvenience that happens that you're, you know, not, not planning on or ready for. And I think that's what really, you know, gets people is when, you know, like, let's say you are spending right on the dollar, the exact amount you make every month. And that's, you know, kind of where you're at, like pretty much the whole time. Well, what happens when you're, you know, you get a flat tire and you got to take that in or like, so your car breaks down, you get in an accident. What do you do at that point? You know, like, yeah, it's, it's not, and it's not even stuff that happens like monthly either. It's, you know, the, the random stuff that comes up because it's going to like, it's, it's not like a question of like, if, or when, like some crazy inconvenience is going to happen. It, it, it's, it's when it, it's, is it going to happen and how much is it going to affect you? So yeah. I think that's another thing that you kind of have to factor in as well that, you know, just catches people when they're not, you know, being smart with their money. Like an Achilles surgery, just as an yeah. example. My, yeah, <laughs> my exactly. somebody, right? <laughs> an Achilles surgery might hit somebody, man. Yeah. I can confirm that it, it can get expensive to get your Achilles <laughs> reattached to your calf muscle. <laughs> I do not recommend it for a multitude of reasons, but financially is one of them. Um, but no, bro, it's exactly right. It's so important. I just looked up, you know, just some numbers here that I think are just so important as what I was talking about with like the current setting in the wrong direction. And these numbers are always crazy for me. Consumer debt in the United States of America at the end of 2020 was at four, $14.6 And the mortgage debt was up to $10 trillion, which is just like unbelievable. Right. And obviously like mortgage debt versus consumer debt is a little bit better, right? If you're going to have a mortgage, at least you're going to own something in the end versus like a consumer, if you're just buying stuff that's just depreciating over time, like you're mm -hmm. just taking straight L's on that, right? And like, sometimes you have to, yeah. like we have to buy stuff, like it's not a bad thing, but I think it's important yeah. for us to understand that. But man, it's just so key for people to understand how important this stuff is because I mean, that's not even, that's like student loan debt aside. I think I saw, I've seen stats mm -hmm. before where like the average American has tens of thousands of dollars of debt. You know, and like when you think about debt, bro, it doesn't mean that you can't start playing offense while you're trying to like play some defense and, and controlling your debt. But like you're literally starting off like I just I, it's so tough to me. Like I love I, I love ROTC for the reason that I had a three three year scholarship in it and I graduated with no college loans. Yeah, and Like I just and I, I promote it so much for that for that reason. But just people starting off so far behind is all the more reason for us to take it so much more seriously moving forward, you know, because mm -hmm. people are really kind of starting off in the hole. And so I think it's important, but that's one of the big things I think too, right? So like you, you talked about, you know, going back to your last 30 days, how did you spend your money looking at that, seeing where the holes are and then setting some limits on that going forward, mm -hmm. right? So kind of like planning the next 30 days. So at, like, so talk to me about that. So you go back to the last 30 days, I see that, damn, you're like, damn, crank, you spent $500 going out to eat, bro. Maybe you chill on, on Subway and Chick-fil-A next month. It's so like, how do we kind of go forward with, you know, uh, with, with scheduling or, or setting goals, I guess, for the next month? How do you like, just talk to me about setting up the budget that way? Yeah. So normally like, yeah, the next step would be definitely the budget. And I, I try to get them to use, you know, their, their past spending to, to kind of make that budget uh, with one of the parameters being, it has to be under what you make per month. Um, Which is and then on one. top of that, like, I think what a lot of people like don't realize is, is they'll save after they spend. Yeah. And, and the, the that's a thing big Robert Kiyosaki one right there. That's exactly. No -no. And, and the thing you have to do is you decide what you're going to save before you spend, you spend whatever's left over after you save, which is interesting. And it's all backwards compared, you know, in, in relation to what we're taught. Um, but, and, and that's actually what I do too, is I set a number that I want to save in a month and then, or pay towards debt or invest or whatever it is. Um, and and I, I set that money aside first before I even give myself a chance of, um, you know, spending any of it. Cause if it's there and, and open to be spent, odds are you're going to do it. Like as humans, just it's human nature. If you have money to, to go want to do something with it, um, yes. you know, money like moves like it is always like there's always something that is gonna that you can do with your money or that someone's asking you to buy or you know it's just so easy to spend money especially nowadays like I mean, you can go on amazon and buy whatever you need in like two clicks of a button like right. it is the easiest oh, thing not even two sometimes bro you thought i joined the cart and it's like play you want to order now <laughs> you know you <laughs> click one button it's like we already got your whole your whole life saved in here just hit, hit okay 
We'll see exactly. It it's exactly. crazy, man. They've they've mastered that. Like oh they have every every company has made it as easy as possible to buy absolutely anything. Um, so it, it's important to you know set that money aside beforehand. Um, but yeah, so going back to going back to the budget, I think that we got got off on a little bit of a tangent there. I did, um, but like yeah, you're just gonna you know value what you want to save first and then fill in from there and make sure it's not going above what you normally make in a month. I think a lot of people just the understanding of one, what they make and two, what they've spent in the past usually helps a lot. Um, but it's, it's not something that's going to be fixed overnight. Um, I think a lot of people get frustrated. They'll make a budget for a month, try to, you know, change, change their entire financial life in a month. And, and it's just not how yeah. it's going to work. Usually that takes at least like about three months at least just to kind of nail down what a budget's going to look like for you and start to make those positive changes to to actually follow it so i think it's important to to kind of stay motivated and, and, and positive about the whole situation because it's not something that will change you know right away um i think that's something i try to hit on a lot and, and usually why there's at least a couple of sessions to kind of work on it and refine it right. uh, because you'll think you know I, let's say you know like you said you spent five hundred dollars going out to eat some you know in your head you might be like i can get that down to like a hundred like it, it, it might not be doable you know like right. you might like maybe that's something that's just really important to you and that's fine like there's nothing wrong with that but i would say you know find what you value the most set some money aside for that and kind of get rid of the other stuff like for me like i don't care about clothes at all like if i didn't buy any clothes whatsoever like it would not affect me one bit like that's the big funny. thing for me is like travel and I like going out with my friends sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. so I make sure like before I like set money aside for clothes or anything else, like I prioritize that. And I think that's, you know, kind of what people can do too, is figure out one, your, your first priorities are going to be your bills, your, you know, rent, stuff like that. And then start to look at the stuff that's most important to you after that. Um, and then, you know, if you've got money left over for, you know, like clothes or whatever, you know, whatever isn't as important to you, like for me, that's what it is. Um, you can kind of go to that, go that route next. Right. Yeah, no, dude, I think it's so important. And one thing that just kind of came to my mind as I was listening to you say all that is just that it really takes the four cardinal virtues to succeed in budgeting, right? So if you think about all of the things that, that you just kind of talked about, right? So it takes fortitude to stick with the budget to keep trying, even after you fail the first month or, you know, it's kind of difficult. You have to make hard situations or what or decisions or whatever, budgeting and planning in and of itself requires prudence, right? You're being prudent in, in kind of thinking about what do I need to do? What's best for me? What's best in the long run? Best for my family, best for those around me, right? And you're actually making good decisions and planning ahead. And then uh, temperance is needed, right? Like you need to be temperate. You need to be self-controlled and disciplined in that. And then you also, I think justice is really important too, when it comes to things like tithing, where it's like, am I giving back to God what, what God is owed? Am I giving to other people in, in the things that you've contractually agreed to and your mortgage and, or your, your rent and, you know, all these different things, these contracts that you've signed, like you owe people money, right? So there's like, there's justice to it. And the reason why I bring that in is that the, the virtues never lead to slavery. Virtues can only lead to freedom. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that people have this like misconception that, well, if I budget, if I do all these things and I'm going to be miserable, I'm going to be so disciplined and stuck and all this stuff. And that's one of the things I love about a lot of your messaging and the things that you post is that you are very committed to like, dude, like I still want you to enjoy your life. And the, the low key secret is that you're actually going to enjoy your life more because mm -hmm. when you're budgeting and you're prudent and you're smart and you're like, I have the money to go out to eat. I have the money for date night. I have the money to spend on an iPhone or whatever it is that you want to get, right? I mm -hmm. saved up this money or I have it set aside for this. It feels a lot better to spend it. Then mm -hmm. when you're just kind of balling out, you're just like, I don't know. You know, you're just racking up the credit card thinking like, I hope I can pay this off at the end of the month. That doesn't feel good. That's stressful. <laughs> That's procrastination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's vice. That's that. There's nothing fun about that. And there's nothing free about that either. And so that's what I think is, is really, really important. But I love what you said too about the uh, don't see it or touch it. Like, especially in today's world, bro, where there's so many transfers. Like, I mean, I have USAA and like, I can schedule my money to go from one account to the other, like every mm -hmm. third day, you know what I mean? I can do some weird amount of, like you can do anything, right? Mm -hmm. Like auto investing, auto moving the money from your your uh, dep your um, debit account into your, sa your savings account or whatever you want to do, right? Like there's so many mm -hmm. different things that it can just come in. If you have like a matching program or something in the 401k or the place you work at, like, 
you can just be like, I don't like, just, I don't even want to see it. Right. Like it just, it doesn't even hit the, doesn't even hit the, the direct deposit. Right. Like it's just yeah. like, pull that, pull that ish out before it even comes my way. And it's just mm-hmm. so much easier that way. But I don't know why more people don't take advantage of that, but I thought that was a such a good point. You know, it's like, don't even get that money that you're trying to spend or you're trying to save because it's easier to just not have it than to have it and not spend it. Right. The yeah. Marshmallow What's test. It? Exactly. Once it, once it's in your account, it's a lot easier to kind of see it as something you can, you know, move around. Yeah. For like even it. most of my investments are all like auto transfer. So like the first of every month I contribute to my IRA, like my 401k comes directly out of my paycheck. So like for that stuff, like I don't ever even have to think about it. And honestly, it makes it easier on me too. Like I don't have to think yeah. about investing, you know, my 401k every month or like for both my paychecks and then my IRA, like that mean I have to do things three times, three times a month. Like one, it makes it easiest for me. And I think that's something um, I read Atomic Habits. Uh, it's a really oh. good book, but what they kind of talk about is there is making, making Fire. positive habits as easy as possible to accomplish. And that's it. Like I literally yes. clicked a couple buttons like, over, you know, and now it does it for me. And I never even have to think about keeping those, you know, quote unquote, positive habits that I'm not even doing at this point, you know, yeah. um, where, you know, again, you know, the negative habits, you're trying to make it as hard as possible not to do those. So if you're getting rid of that money, you know, saving it right away, it's, you can't, you know, access it to where you can start spending it on things you don't need. So I think that's, you know, kind of an interesting point with that too. Bro, it's huge, man. It's so good. Yeah. It's just so easy. Just like get, get inspired, right. <laughs> Make the decision, set that stuff up and then just don't look back. Right. Like, I mean, check it once a year, once a month, like you don't have to, uh, you know, do it's not as heavy and complex as I feel like everybody thinks it is to take your financial situation into your own hands. Everybody kind of looks at it as like this, it's a whole, and for a lot of people, it is that, and I've been there and you've probably been there, right? At some point you're like, you weren't born knowing all this stuff. So like mm-hmm. at some point in our lives, like everybody's at that place where money, finances, you know, investing, budgeting, debt, like all of that stuff is so foreign to everybody. It's not, it's not unique to anybody to not understand that. We mm-hmm. all don't understand it at some point, but it's so much better, man. When you start to, to push forward and kind of really think about, you know, what you want to, um, or what what you want to do setting it up so that it happens automatically and then just going about living your life you know and trying to be disciplined and honor that but uh i think that's great man so what would you say kind of next steps after that after you kind of set the budget i know you talked about some like check-ins and things like that but what what kind of these what do you see happening next yeah it's just going to be kind of like adjusting you know where you know where your goals are at that point you know start to try to set some real goals you know kind of what those would be um a lot of you know what i do calculator a lot and just kind of wonder like what's their ideal life look like and you know when you're 20 it's hard to know or you know 20 30 it's hard to know what you're you know you're going to want to live off of it at at that time um but just trying to make an estimate of what that is and kind of get to that savings mark of where you find the difference need um you know get, you know, increase your savings in any way possible, whether that be, you know, adding a side hustle, something like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways to kind of increase that margin for, for your, um, kind of hammer those out and kind of, you know, get to that next step where they'd be ready to start investing as much as possible. That's not something I necessarily like handle like i i'm you know not licensed to, to advise someone on their investments but to kind of get them to a point where they feel like they have enough money set aside for their emergency fund and they paid off debt and stuff like that um once they're to that investment point but really yeah just working on you know paying debt off as quickly as possible building a you know three to six months of an emergency fund um you know in case anything you know you never know like i said you never know what's going to happen that'll cover you for a lot of you know a lot of emergencies that that could come up um, and then you're know, getting them to the point where they're ready to start investing and um, you know, just start and build that wealth where they, you know, can live and give like, you know, nobody else can. Amen. Yeah, no, that's awesome, man. And so can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by an emergency fund for anybody who might not know what you mean by that? Just kind of some details on like, what do you have? I know some people say, you know, Dave Ramsey, I think is one of them who has like the thousand dollar emergency fund. And then you kind mm-hmm. of talked about like, I would kind of differentiate or I have differentiated in my own mind of an emergency fund and then like a loss of income fund. But can you just mm-hmm. kind of talk about both of those things or, or how you kind of approach that? Yeah. So basically um, what I, what I would usually recommend for somebody in every, the, the, the thing is 
Um, every situation is different. I like a lot of the things that Dave Ramsey says, but I think his, uh, so he's talking on radio and stuff like that. So it's hard for him to, you know, give a personal approach to each person's, you know, financial situation. Um, it's going to be a little bit different for every person, depending on kind of where you were at. Um, if you have debt still, I'd recommend at least getting like one month, uh, one month emergency fund, saving up all um, enough money to where you can cover all your expenses for for a month. So in case anything happens, you've at least got one month full of you know of expenses covered, and then from there you'd start to pay off your debt, you know, as quickly as possible. Because you know the th thing with debt is like the longer you have it, the more it costs you. Mm. So you know you're basically taking a part of your paycheck and giving that to to somebody else. And then after that, um, you know, it, again, like I said, everyone's situation is a little different, but I like to say three to six months at least of expenses. So, um, yeah, you're going to have basically save up months of, you know, your expenses for the entire month. That way, in case anything we're in, whether, you know, like you said, like lose your job or, um, you know, your car breaks down, something like that, you have money set aside to, to kind of cover those things. So you're not going back into debt after that. Right. And then from there, you'd go, um, you know, you start in investing in stuff like that. Boom. I love it, brother. That's so good. I think it is so helpful for people to understand that. And uh, yeah, just kind of that approach to, I mean, really just how good it feels to have that, you know, once you have a few months of loss of income, you know, just, especially we just went through 2020, right? Like how many people just lost their jobs last year. Mm -hmm. And you think about like how, like the financial ruin and impact some people had who had all this debt, who really were just kind of floating by thinking everything's fine at the ending, then boom. COVID-19 comes and just wipes a lot of people out. And so you want to avoid mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? Which is what we, we want to encourage people to do and, and why this stuff is so important. And, and like you said earlier, you know, with like getting a flat tire, something that at the dentist, right? You have something that goes down with your Achilles, you have all these, get a car accident, whatever it might be, right? Like we face yeah. these unexpected um, financial issues. And I think it happens to everybody. And so I think that it's really important to have those, you know, emergency funds and, and money set aside for when that happens, just because it's so much less stressful when you have it there, you know, instead of having to be like, now, how do I find that? Right. Yeah. But that's key, man. So, so absolutely. And I, I love, you know, you talked there about debt and investing. Those are kind of like the next two things I'd love to hear your perspective on. I know you shared a little bit there about debt. I think that's key. Debt costs you more, the more the, it costs you more over time, the longer that you have it. How do you kind of encourage people to approach debt if they have, multiple types of debt, right? If I have a car loan, maybe a mortgage and student loan debt, you know, and a couple of different student loans, how do you mm -hmm. kind of approach that with people? So there, there are two, I know you got one of them on here, but like there are two kind of ways to pay off debt. And I know Dave Ramsey's big on the debt snowball. Um, there's also the debt avalanche method also. Um, and they're, they're a little bit different, but I think it, again, like, like I said before, personal finance is personal um everybody's situation is a little bit different and whatever way is going to work better for you um is what you should do and you kind of have to be you know truthful with yourself on on what you think would would work best the debt snowball method is you're going to pay the smallest um so basically if you have multiple you know debts that you owe you're going to pay the smallest um amount first and you're going to pay minimum pay all debts owed for a single debt you'll pay that off um, fully and then you go to the next smallest and then the next smallest until you paid it all off the debt avalanche you um, you start to pay off the debt with the highest interest rate for um, technically mathematically debt avalanche is the way to go um, you're going to pay a little bit less um, doing that but the the pro to the debt snowball is you're getting those small along the way, which if you feel like you're someone that could use the motivation to kind of make, um, you know, make yourself get to that success, that's the way to go. Because the worst case scenario is you get through it. It's not working well enough for you. you and then you're back at square one and you're not working the dead anymore. Get you there because you small wins along the way to motivate you to go quicker that's the way to do it. Um, it's really, again, like I said, personal finance is personal. So you kind of have to be honest with yourself and realize which way is going to be best for you and kind of, uh, you know, run with it a hundred percent. Like we talked about earlier, 
it's going to so you want to pay that off as, as quickly as you possibly can absolutely yeah no i think that's a great way to break those down you know so debt snowball gets you those little wins that build the momentum and i think that it is a good psychological trip for a, or a trick for a lot of people you mm-hmm. know if you need that but i definitely understand the avalanche approach of saying you know where's the highest interest rate because i mean obviously higher interest rates kill you right like a high interest rate is just you paying even more money for something that it's just going to the person who lent you the money right like there's no you get no good from that right like there's nothing yeah. uh positive in your life that comes from paying interest and so i think that that's really key uh to just kind of talk about that and go into it so i know we're running out of time here but i'd love to just hear if you have any any uh, obviously investing can be a, a tough thing to give a quick a quick lesson on but if you have any mm-hmm. words of wisdom for at least somebody to, some guidance and direction on if they're new they're they're beginning the game they have no idea about investing like how do they kind of start approaching that yeah so um <clears throat> Don't believe everything you see on social media. Um, I think I think you know we we kind of see like what day trading and stuff like that's kind of become big. Um, I think it's it's really important to kind of realize that a lot of the a lot of, there are a lot of day traders who don't make a lot of money um, and lose a lot of money. They're not the ones posting about Damn it. Stop to the moon, baby. Ex- exactly stuff like that. And <laughs> I I enjoy watching it, but I stayed as far away from possible. You know, right. from from all of that. Um, but, but really take advantage of retirement accounts. If you've got a 401k, um, you know, take advantage of that. You're a lot of people have, you know, 401k matching from their company. That means, you know, if you're putting money in your company is giving you free money. Yeah. So yeah, it's part of your benefit package, but if you don't take advantage of that, that is literally free money. And if you, you know, let's say they match hundred percent of, you know, what you put in, that's literally hundred percent return on your money right there before it even starts growing on yeah. its own. So first, that's the best place to start. If you've got that, do it. Um, another thing is like a Roth IRA, another retirement account. Um, and the great thing about these retirement accounts is they're tax advantage. So they're not ta- they're only taxed one time where um, if, if you or I like got paid from our company, went invested in a brokerage account, um, pulled it out later on, our gains are taxed then and we're taxed when we get paid from our company. So right. it's taxed twice. So uh, it's, th- those retirement accounts are huge. And the, you know, another great thing about them is they make you invest for the long term. Um, mm-hmm. The goal of investing is not to pull it out, you know, next week or, you know, add an extra $10 to your income per week or anything like that. It's for, you know, when you do retire, obviously we talked about retirement a decent amount, but um, it's for when you get to that retirement point, you've got that money sitting there for a while and you allow compound interest to kind of grow just, you know, where you'll really see the benefits of it is allowing it to sit in those accounts for 30, 40 years and just watching it grow as much as it does. Right. And it's so funny. In a nutshell. No, I love it. I think that's a great, I think it's a great little summary. And I think, you know, I read the book, the the compound effect shortly after I read rich dad, poor dad. And that's a great one too. And you got to see things like that, like the graphs and books like that. Atomic habits has the same stuff of uh, talking about just like the compound mm-hmm. interest and, how that happens, not just in finances and investing, but also in our daily habits, right? Your prayer life, your reading, all these things. And it's really interesting, but people really need to see that because it's amazing to see how, if you talk about like a 40 year plan, right? Like it's crazy how in year 38, 39 and 40, you can make more money on the compounding than you had in it for the first 20 years, right? Like it's, it's crazy yeah. once you get to that point, how much it really does make a difference and you get to see how much compounding makes a huge impact, man. And so that's why it is such a long-term game and it's sure it's fun to, to screw around. And if you have some extra money, I always tell people, if you have extra money that you want to play with and you want to, you know, throw a hundred bucks, or if you have it like that, you want to throw a thousand bucks at the GameStop where you see people yeah. on Reddit talking about it. You know, I put money in Bitcoin before I've made, I don't know how much now at this point, but like several thousand dollars, you know, from, from investing in Bitcoin and you can definitely do that. I do it with money that I'm like, if I lose this, I lose it, you know, (laughs) it's not, it's not like part of my long-term plan, but it is kind of nice that um, I could pay for some things or, you know, expenses or go on vacation with, with Bitcoin profits, but Mm -hmm. you have to really take those things more. Like people will get excited and want to get interested in that instead of being like, you know, the same thing that's worked for hundreds of years in America, <laughs> like long-term investing in things like index funds and like just betting on the economy. Like people don't want to take interest in that because it's slow, boring, right? It's what old people do. It's like, that's what will work and actually allow you to retire in 40 years. 
um, instead of you just screwing off and trying to catch the next hot ticket, right? Like trying to play the lottery. And so it's like, don't, mm-hmm. don't, I mean, if you want to put some time into that, sure, but also make sure that you're actually, uh, you know, looking into and learning about the things that are really important. So uh, with that, I'd love to just, yeah, any closing thoughts that you have, or especially if you have any books or podcasts that you listen to that really helped you along the way. I know you mentioned Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you mentioned Atomic Habits, but is there anything else that you have kind of um, that you've read that you would highly recommend to people? I think um, one book that that I enjoyed reading, and I think is great for people who necessarily believe or like understand, you know, the kind of wealth that they can build just living a completely normal life. Um, it's called The Everyday Millionaire by Chris Hogan. Basically, he mm-hmm. talks about just a bunch of average people like teachers, farmers, different people who, you know, haven't, you know, been like CEOs of companies or own companies, still millionaires. Um, and, you know, how they got there was in small amounts of money over a long period of time and just watching it grow. Um, yeah. I think it's just kind of a, a great book for money mindset that it really shows you that anybody can get there, um, no matter kind of where you're at. Like, I actually just, I did the math um, a little bit ago. If you invest $160 for four every month for 40 years um, and got a 10% return on it, you would be a millionaire after 40 years like only 160 bucks. And like, that's, and, um, you know, that's only at the end of the, at the end of that four years, you for only $76,000 million at the end. So just to kind of literally anybody can be a millionaire if they set their mind to doing it. Um, and I think it's just really important to kind of like understand that like the sky's the limit for anybody and any want to do. Um, as long as you set a plan to get there and, and, you know, attack it. Amen, brother. That's awesome. I really appreciate you sharing all that stuff, man. I think it's so good for people to hear this. And obviously this is just the beginning. We just barely got to like skim the surface of so much wisdom and practical application and things that we could talk about. There's literally, I think, I mean, there literally is thousands of hours of podcasts out there on this stuff, but it's really <laughs> exactly. important. And so hopefully we've at least been able to pique some people's interest to want to look into more things and, and mm-hmm. learn more. And so I'll put some of the details in the show notes um, and in the show and everything, but uh, where can people reach you? Uh, you want to tell people like your, your Instagram handle and stuff like that? Yeah, sure thing. So it's uh, I'm on Instagram. It's at the financial arena. Um, a lot of my, my content's on there. You can like work with me, stuff like that, but yeah, you can find me on there and um, you feel free to reach out if you ever need anything or just looking for, you know, any, any sort of money advice at all. And you've got some great resources I know on there that you have linked there with the, like the, the budget and everything and template that you've made for people that I, I remember checking out in the past. And so just super grateful for that and all that you do and you putting out the content to help make people more aware and, and share this stuff, man. So thank you so much for that. And thank you for sharing with us here at Seeking Excellence, my man. No problem yet. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun.